In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Psychedelic Roundtable. We got quite a show for you today. I want to premise this beginning by saying that today we're going to talk about some topics that are in the news, mainly this whole Kanye versus like the Jewish people. And I'm confident that everybody here, uh, the goal of this show was to maybe have the conversation that could have been had. Like I think there's some really valid points that people were trying to get across. And I think what we saw was a lot of ad hominems, some straw men, some logical fallacies that were based in emotion that came out. And the object of this show is not to hurt anybody's feelings. Like I love all people and I think most of us do. And I, I want that to come across. And there may be some debates going back and forth, but I can assure you that everybody in this room has a heart of gold and is trying to do what's best and cares about everybody here. So I want to use this as a disclaimer for anybody that's watching this show mm. to thoroughly understand that we're all a bunch of friends having a conversation. And though we may not agree, we can all agree to disagree if we can. And so that's what the foundation of the show is going to be about. So, so here we go, gentlemen. Um, everybody saw it this week or the last couple of weeks. We've seen, uh, we've seen, yay. I don't want to, I don't want to dead name him if that's the right terminology <laughs> for that thing, you know, but, uh, you know, he, he looks like he's been having quite a month, you know, and I'm, I'm just curious to get your guys' opinions, you know, uh, Ben, do you want, maybe we should start off by introducing you guys for those who may not know. Let's go ahead and go around the horn here. Ben, can you start mm -hmm. off by introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, Benjamin C. George, AKA Mr. Wizard host of the no absolutes podcast author of that book over there. And uh, yeah, always happy to enjoy these Sunday chats. Nice. Jason? Yeah, Jason with uh, experience integration. And um, I'm excited to jump into this conversation today because I've, I've studied it 
deeply. I've been a, I guess I should maybe add in there in my title, like Kanye West Yee fan uh, and, and fan boy at times. So I can, I just got to make sure that that is very apparent that I am biased as hell on some levels of my appreciation of this artist that we're going to break down today. Do you think I could shorten that title just to racist? Would that be better? Far easier. I'll, I'll just step in for Paul since he's not here. Um, so let's 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 let us begin at the beginning. Um, Jason, you got a pretty good understanding, or you said you've been doing quite a bit of of looking into what's happened. So why don't you give us the rundown of from beginning to end of what you think happened? Oh my goodness! I mean. Um, there clearly this year for Kanye has been a significant one. He's dropped an album at the beginning of the year with Donda, which was in honor of his mom and a pretty different album than I think what a lot of his fans were hoping that he would do. It felt rushed. He went through a series of these extremely intense listening parties. Um, if you remember back to the beginning of the year, he, he was locked away in the um, Atlanta stadium, football stadium where he was writing and finally putting the final production pieces to this, this thing. And then he did it three times, I believe. Um, it might have been four, but I know there was at least three listening parties. Um, and so instantly when he's doing this stuff, it was kind of this, you know, Yee's return. And in that return, it was also coming out of the divorce from Kim, which was breaking him up in some pretty significant ways. So he's coming into the year just kind of broken, not sure kind of fully what's going on, really testing the boundaries of what's possible with music and how you even experience music and putting on these like extremely integrated theatrical performances. I'm curious, did anybody see any of these listening shows that he did? I didn't see okay. any, no. So, yeah, I mean, these are being hosted like the Atlanta football stadium. They're being hosted at like the LA Coliseum. And it was like a, his home is there and it's just this incredible thing. And so... I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for just performing something like that with an album that had even not been released yet. This is the first time the audience is hearing the music. And so extremely uh, progressive. And then he, he begins to go through this process with Pete fucking his wife and like this weird thing. And he comes into the media and it's just this like kind of, he begins to crack in the beginning of like the divorce stuff comes out into kind of mainstream culture and it's starting to kind of grow this almost disdain for, for Kanye because of how he's handling this, this connection to, to Pete. And basically out of that, he then kind of gets, he, he breaks away from Instagram. He breaks away from, from Twitter. He's not, he's pretty quiet. And then he like comes back to Instagram, which wasn't his preferred method of communication. He, he, he would tweet a ton. He didn't do a lot of stuff on Instagram. But he comes back with this fury of Instagrams um, over the course of probably a month. Just very, um, some crazy stuff, some calling people out, posting of te uh, text messages between him and famous people. And this is really where he begins his beef, if you will, with the community at large saying, look, things are not fair and I'm getting fucked. Um, and, and basically, it's all leading up to Fashion Week. Again, this is all very orchestrated, right? Kanye knows what he's doing. So he, he's beginning to get the zeitgeist, if you will, up in a fury around who he is and what he's doing. And then all of a sudden, Fashion Week hits, 
And like a couple days before Fashion Week, he had a, an Instagram go out and he basically said, grab the popcorn, get ready. It's about to go down. So he like he like kind of put this out there like this is getting ready to happen. So he shows up to Fashion Week and he just dominates the headlines of Fashion Week. Like, again, this is a rapper, you know, who's been trying to get into the fashion world for a very long time, trying to be established in this space owns one of the is the founder of one of the most um expensive or not expensive but well to do fashion industry of Yeezus right with Adidas making Yeezus Adidas 250 million dollars a quarter that's what their loss is going to be Adidas lost by cutting this out so he shows up to fashion week and just dominates um if you didn't remember he did uh, with Balenciaga he did this mud fashion runway where all of the fashion people were walking through the mud in these these clothes just like really interesting like what he was doing with fashion then he of course shows up with the white lives t-shirt with candace owen to one of his own um um displays and that just fucking again blows everybody up they get all pissed and is starting to kind of build again what's he doing is he crazy and then basically after the height of fashion week he basically starts dropping what we've been seeing over the last couple uh, last month-ish of everything around kind of this Jewish control and that he's breaking out of it. And he then just goes on this fury. Again, first place that he really starts is Tucker Carlson, right? Crazy that like he would choose that. In the beginning, everyone was like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, why is he going on Tucker? But you're realizing like that was the foray into then what was going to build. After Tucker, it just begins to snowball more and more and more. He ends up on drinks with his buddies, a safe, quote unquote, safe space with like people that he's collaborated with, with Nor, N-O-R-E, like guys he considers friends and they freaking get him drunk and high. And of course, you're going to see some of the most unfiltered shit come out of his mouth. So then everybody that instantly that's up for 24 hours, gets taken down. Everybody's pissed off at this situation. And then he continues to go on this fury. He ends up on Piers Morgan. So now, like, we're not on the Fox thing. Now, I think Piers is on the CNN side of things, if I remember. He's, like, more on the left side. So he goes to a different kind of modal, you know, different news thing. Goes crazy on that. Continues this narrative. Ends up on Lex Friedman. It has an, I think Lex really had an interesting interview. Probably the most intellectual one of all of them. And he is, in that time, been cut from Adidas. He's been cut from Balenciaga. He's been cut from his record. Like he has been a hundred percent almost canceled across the board in the last two weeks. I think the estimated loss of somewhere around two billion dollars. So that's, a, that's where we're at. It's an interesting yeah. kind of narrative. All right, I don't know if that helps for content, yeah, but like sure. it's important that like what we look at today and what we're discussing is somebody that has had an experience in this world that very few have seen. A guy that has started off as a, a producer. He didn't start off as a rapper. He had to earn his right to become a rapper. Then he becomes one of the most uh, awarded rappers. Then he says, I'm going to go to the fashion industry. And he spends 10 years basically apprenticing, working for free within the fashion industry, begins to dominate that shit. So he's built these empires in three areas of production, being a hip hop artist and fashion. He's he's uh, something of a, a savant in ways. And so when we see what he's doing, we can't advocate. We can't defend it. I'm not here to defend what Kanye is saying. I don't think that you know any of us are trying to make that perspective. But what is important and what's nuanced is why. Why is he doing this? What is he going after? What has he seen? What are his perspectives? 
that are worthy of some attention, whether it's being articulated in a meaningful way or not. So I'll stop there. That is uh, that is my synopsis of where I think we're at today with you. I think it's a great foundation, and I'm glad you put some backstory on there. And while while that was happening, we had two awesome guys come in here, uh, Mr. Kevin Holt and the one and only Paul Lapau. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for showing up. Did you guys get to catch the uh, intro that Jason was putting in on there? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, thanks a lot. I had no clue what was going on. I appreciate that summary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Paul, did you Paul did you get to catch that? Yeah, the 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 PR. <laughs> <laughs> the right the backstory somewhat. So I, I guess maybe since now that we kind of have a foundation built, we can get into maybe some of the things that were said. And um, I don't know, um, Paul, did you want to like, did you want to start in and, and say maybe your idea of, of what Kanye is about or what he said in these, these interviews or if they upset you or if they, you thought they were kosher or what? If I thought they were kosher. That was kosher. Good. good word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I care about the man's. You know, You're breaking up on us. I said, I, I really don't care about the man's uniqueness, mm -hmm. you know, whatever unique position he is in the world. It still does not excuse his words. And the fact that he had a, I don't know, a midlife crisis, you know, on national TV over the last month is no concern of mine, really. Nice. I, you know, I think, I think, um, like any discussion that revolves around this clown, you know, is, is, you know, we got to be, we got to be really got to be careful. And like a savant, like, I hope you call me a savant, Jason, because, you know, like, I don't know if this guy is anything that I would consider to be savant like. Paul, how many Grammys do you own? Have, have you ever received? Um, I, I don't have any Grammys. Okay. Hold on. How many billion dollar fashion industries have you run? I, I mean, is that, are these all qualifications of being a savant? You got to be a Grammy winner. You got to be fashion icon. You got to be a billionaire. Are those all savant things? What are you gonna like, say, Ben? Like I would actually argue they're they're not savant things, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, kind of, you know, I don't want to, you know, demonize anybody. I don't want to pull anybody through the mud or anything like that. My problem with this whole thing is, is <clears throat> if somebody has a particular influence, a platform, uh, a, a voice in the world to me that comes with responsibility and i think he acted very reckless and irresponsible over the past month for not just himself but people associated with him um and then he wasn't able to articulate himself out of that hole from what i've seen i want to i want to pull it back a little bit you know because it there is this idea in society and it's not always an accurate idea and i don't know the answer to this and so i, I would like to probably get everyone's opinion here. You know, sometimes we see people that are wealthy and it's almost assumed that they have deserved that wealth. I'm not saying that's always the case, but it seems that in today's world, wealth to people seems as if, sometimes it gives the illusion of having more is being more. And that's not always true. But the question is, can somebody be, you know, I don't think people win Grammys because they're not talented. I don't think people rise to the level of billionaire without being intelligent on some level. I think if you were if you were if you were not intelligent, you would get your money stolen by the time you're a millionaire. 
But you know, there are different levels there. And I'm curious to what you guys think. Can someone be can make it to the heights of industries and be, you know, with a with an IQ of less than 80? What do you guys think? Well, if you have billionaire parents, for sure. That's, a, that's one way to do it. And, it, you know, to be fair, a lot of the people in our upper echelons of society today come from not necessarily billionaire parents, but, you know, at least millionaire networks, networks of people and associations. And, you know, you don't get through these doors these days unless you know somebody. And we always we always knew that it's always about who, you know, we were told that as kids. It just so happens that that actually really runs the world a lot more than merit. You know, we've we've stretched pretty far from from merit being kind of what elevates people. Really far. Yeah, really far. I mean, I look at Kanye as being like a product of of the times, really. You know, like someone who's, you know, who, you know, you know, has a talent in in, you know, in the rap game. And then you couple that with like, you know, this explosion of social media, even in the time since he's been really famous, like, you know, the the amount of people who are taking to social media for like, you know, self-promotion, um, you know, or mass promotion by their peers or people who are, you know, fanboys of, of these guys. And so like what, what was possible, what is possible today wasn't even possible like, you know, 20, 30 years ago. You know what I mean? You couldn't do this. You needed a whole host of people, you know that were in positions of authority and power to you know, help you gain fame. And now fame is gained a lot easier. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with, with this guy. But I think you got to go back, Paul, and realize that this is actually part of the what I think Kanye's issue is, is that he didn't come up in the social media days. Right? He came up like the be you know, right as Web 2.0 was coming in, like his first album which was one of the, you know, the more acclaimed ones of what he did and put him on the roadmap was graduation. And that came out, I believe, let me just pull up the exact date. I'm sorry, college dropout. And that came out in 2004. And then he followed that up with late registration in 2005. And then he followed that up with graduation in 2007. So you have in a three-year span before anything is really happening and social media uh, three incredible albums. Like right now, those are considered some of the, you know, the three back-to-back -back albums that are just insane. The initial album, he produced on his own, but he was signed with Rockefeller. It was Jay-Z's, which is the big dominant industry uh, uh, record label at that point in the hip-hop game. They signed Kanye, but they wouldn't put his album out because his beats were so good, they wanted to use his beats for other people. And so that's what kept happening. He was building beats for other people. He was a producer. He wasn't a rapper. And so then he literally he records the 12 songs um, on the road as he's creating beats. He gets in a car accident. He breaks his jaw, like all these really interesting kind of things that he had to overcome. And then when that album hit, it freaking blew everybody away. Rockefeller had no idea he had put together because he being a producer, he could produce his own shit, which most other rappers couldn't do. So. I, I want to put credence to saying yes, but Kanye is not a, this is a 44 year old man that's been playing the game for over 20 plus years. So he's grown up in this time, but he is not a product of this time. I think that's really important to pay attention to. Well, I think you, there's like two different times with Kanye, right? Like when he put out that first album was, did he make a billion dollars on it? No, he wasn't a billionaire. Like, exactly. Like, what about the third album? Was he a billionaire at that point? Kanye did not become a billionaire yeah. until he got into the fashion industry. That's right. 
you know, so he, he had used the tools that were given to him, you know, through social media and, you know, and was really good at self-promotion and it was really good at other people promoting him, getting other people to promote him. And he blew up. Right. But there's like, you know, it's, it, there's kind of like, it's like two stories of Jesus. You know, we got two stories of Kanye here and I'm in no way comparing this man to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So this brings up some interesting I'm, – I'm big on language, and when I hear the word tools and product, it makes me think of, you know, it seems that when people, when people sign their name to a contract or when people get deep into the fashion game or the media game or any sort of high-level celebrity game, they themselves become commodified. They become a product, and then a team develops around them to sell that product. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, what does that do to someone's ego? What does that do to someone's life? Like, and, and what, like, what are the rights there? Like, if you're, you're not a father, you're a product. You're not a fashion designer. You're a product of fashion. And it changes when you, when you become the, when the instrument becomes the institution. You know, you, you change radically. I, what do you guys think about Kanye being a product and that being part of the problem? Kevin, what do you think? I don't think very much, to be honest, but I would just to tag on to the last thing about intelligence. I don't know if it's as crucial as purity of intent and perhaps sociopathic drive. Um, <laughs> he probably has a little bit of all those things. Yeah, I would agree. Hmm. No, I mean, if you look at Kanye, when you start talking about like, you know, about like what it's done to him and, and if people would behave in the same way, well, it depends on you know, on whether you hate yourself or not. That's one of the factors. Mm. And it's clear that Kanye hates himself. Why is that clear? Can you give me an example of why that's clear? Listen, listen to his words. Listen to what he says. You know, I mean, the guy, if the guy's not trying to compliment himself to death, he's putting other people <laughs> around him down. You know what I mean? It's clear that this guy doesn't really have a high opinion of himself. He's accused of having the highest of opinions of himself. He has a song called I Am A God. And that pissed everybody <laughs> off. Saying. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So if you take it at face value, which I'm not going to, you know, you hear somebody who's like self-aggrandizing, you hear somebody who's like put himself up on a, on a pedestal. But what I hear is sadness. What I hear is like somebody who doesn't really have a high opinion of himself. I hear somebody who maybe in life was trampled on or put down or, you know, abused or bullied. And so, you know, when I, when I listen to him talking like Pierce Morgan or on Lex, you know, whoever I've been listening to for the last week with this lunatic, you know, I hear somebody who really doesn't like himself, man. I look at his body posture on TV. I look at his lack of eye contact. You know what I mean? I look at all those things. This is not a confident man when he's saying these things that like, you know, he's using all these superlatives about himself. I still so I see somebody who is like who's scared. I see somebody who's alone and I see somebody who doesn't have a high opinion of himself. Well, I mean, you know, uh, to his credit, he has lost his family in the most public of ways and then made an ass of himself in that process um, because he made it more and more public. Uh, and now he has, you know, seemingly jumped off a little bit of the deep end in a couple certain ways in the way that he's speaking. And, you know, I would agree with you. I think that that's very telling of, you know, the underlying where he's coming from. And it does to me look like a broken man, um, you know, uh, 
and, and on that level, that's a sad thing, especially for it to be dragged through a public display such as this. Yeah, but you don't help yourself by being anti-Semitic, nope. anti-Black, nope. and all these other sure things. The way you know, what I mean? it's hard to sympathize with a man who's going through these things, such as a divorce or a separation of family, well, I, while they're I, like shooting themselves in the foot all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think again, words are important. Like, like George said, I, I wouldn't call it sympathy as much as I, it, it's sad. It's sad to watch. You know, the sympathy kind of you know, goes out the window when somebody makes a very public choice to go on very public podcasts and very public shows and talk like this, you know, at some point, you know, that's, and if it's not a mental illness, then I think you kind of, you remove a lot of the sympathy from the situation. But I'd like to be able to go back to like what George is saying. Cause I think what's important to me here is really, it's, this is not about Kanye. Like, it's not about his mental health. This isn't about where he's at. Like, I really don't, like, I don't fucking know. And I don't think anybody does because nobody actually knows this man. So we can't talk like we do. We can't talk like we have any sense. I think what's important, though, is to go back to this idea of what happens when you have human beings that are being turned into a product through the contracts that they are signing. And those contracts are not public. You do not know and you are not allowed to talk about what someone else's contract says. So when you have an entire industry like music built on this concept of contracts, which productizes the human beings behind it, what, what does that do? And is that something that should be talked about? Is that something that should be brought up in our current society? Well, I think that's a very narrow view of what's actually happening in society because that's every aspect of society. That's not just the music industry. That's everybody who goes, you know, it's the VC industry. It's the startup world. It's, it's all business. Uh, and yeah, when you, when we start to contractualize and use humans as products and, you know, essentially slave labor at some, some junctions, you end up in a bad situation. This is that bad situation. I, you know, I don't think it takes you know, a, a savant to really see through that and, and understand that this is definitely a problem in, in today's world. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, what he's doing, I think if you were really, if somebody was to step back in that position and think about it, I don't think you're going to make that choice. Because if, if you're making that choice, you realize things are going to get worse for you. They're going to get worse for your family. Maybe you feel an onus to call it out. Maybe you do feel wrong. Maybe you do. Maybe it actually is grounded in a whole lot of evidence in reality. But at the same time, there's a decorum to all of these things. And, and you know, I think that's part of what he's shitting on, not very articulately. But, uh, you know, that he does kind of go into this this whole bubble where then he his solution is, I'm just going to make my own universe of everything. And, you know, I think that's if we were to step back, I think a lot of people are actually feeling that way these days, just at a personal level. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really like that direction. I think that, um, you know, I've often heard it say when, when people have nothing left to lose, they lose it. And I think you can look at his, his family being lost. You know, you, you hear him say things like I'm the greatest rapper. I'm the greatest designer but he's definitely not the greatest father, right? He's definitely not the greatest decision maker. And if we, you know, not to beat it down too much, but I think it's relevant to the conversation when we talk about this on a grand scale is sort of the decision makings. And, you know, I look at, I look at Kanye like a, like a status symbol. Like he lives his life 
out of status. And isn't it interesting that he married a sex symbol? Like, think about these two people as symbols. Like, mm -hmm. there's no way that particular relationship is going to work. A sex symbol bases their life on being a sex symbol. And once they're taken off the market, they're no longer as sexy. They've already lost market value. The status symbol can't stay married because they got to chase status. They're going to soon lose being number one when they settle down and start taking care of the ones that need them the most. And so the idea of these two symbols is a lot like the people being commodified. The same way society has made Kanye a product, so too have we made people symbols. We have made people products. We talk about people, hey, be your own entrepreneur, be your own business, but you're, you're becoming your own symbol. And there's no humanity in a symbol. And what you're seeing now is the breakdown of humanity. And I, I think that Kanye and Lex and Kanye versus the Jews is a symptom of the sickness that plagues us. And so, you know, there's, there's so much to think about. And I, you can see this. We, on this podcast, we talk about so as above, so below. And if we take Kanye versus the Jews, I think you can see populism versus the world. Populism versus globalism. Once one thing is in contrast with another thing. And it, you can change out all the different things, but there's always this battle between them. But I really like the idea of, of looking at this on a bigger scale. I'm going to shift gears for a minute because I got a few clips. I want to kind of get into the words Kanye used. And let's take an objective look if, at these clips and see if the words that he used were wrong. And I also would like it to be kind of a steel man. Like, let's, let's try to figure out what he was trying to say, whether it was through pain or whether it was through something else. And let's try to steel man his argument. And that way, I think we can make for a better conversation and maybe solve some problems or maybe put forth a conversation that could have been had. So let's start here with this one. It just so happens that, it just so happens that there's been times where I had my lawyer was Jewish, my regulator was Jewish, but like like eight people that basically would collude and talk without me were in groups saying, okay, this is what the tour is going to be. This is his next house. And they were making all these decisions and they're making all this money. And at the end, I was like, I ended my tour and I don't have the money. And it just so happens that that's the case, that what they were. But what I'm saying is if everyone can say, Hey, you can't point out this fact, or we're going to say you're anti-Semitic and we're going to call you Hitler. I feel that there has to be at least 1% of safeguarding the ability to screw the artist based on saying it's anti-Semitic by pointing out that they just so happen to all be uh, Jewish. Okay, Paul. You and I had talked earlier and you had mentioned that the way Kanye said stuff was a problem for you. In this clip, he said it just so happens is that, that they're Jewish. Does that change the way you think about what he said previously? Well, I mean, look, in the context, I know exactly what he's saying, right? He's saying that all these Jews are conspiring to steal my money. All the Jews around him, right? Yeah. Okay. That, that's what he's saying. You know what I mean? Right. Which, totally absurd really. okay is that is that anti-semitic to say that i would say that it's anti-semitic to say that what does their religion have anything to do with it like i don't i don't understand you know well, it's like, tricky because it's a religion and it's a racial identity at the same time right right well, you know so what's so what's what, you know 
their, cool. what is their commonality? All right. Like, what does that have anything to do with it? Like, that's the part. Like, it, unless he can, like, bridge that gap, then, yeah, then he's being anti-Semitic. If there's some way that he could, like, say, hey, based on these people's commonality, right, that there was a, you know, there's either a culture to conspire, right, or to oppress, you know, for, for, for money or power, you know, or, you know, or that there is an intent based on their commonality. Between oh, so eight correlations and causation in a nutshell. I'm, let's just play. I'm just curious about this. If Kanye said, hey, all these people, ha people happen to be white men, is he a racist a, and a sexist yeah. against men and who are white? Well, I think that was the point he was trying to make. He was trying to say, why can't I say that these are all Jews without it being right. anti-Semitic? And I think, you know, to his point, his actual point right there, I think you should be able to say that, hey, I was surrounded by eight Jewish guys. Just so happened that was the common theme between them, and I ended up ripped off. But the way he goes about it then, you know, turns it anti-Semitic because of all the context with everything else that he's been saying. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Like, hey, I was surrounded by eight Jews who gave me a bunch of money and bought me lunch and then gave me a ride to wherever I needed to go and drop me off. And it was great. Right. That's not anti-Semitic the same way. It's saying it, you know, these eight guys who conspired against me, they were all Jewish. Well, that's the common theme. If they were, you know, if, if there was a more common theme to them, he would have said that, you know, if it was white men, he would have said, Oh, it was these eight white dudes who screwed me. It, right. it doesn't, it, it, and that's just that's just a, a reflection of of you know the situation. I don't think it actually entails anti-Semitism. I don't. It's not you know those things aren't racist. They're not sexist, and I think those those types of arguments get people in a lot of trouble these days, um, undeservedly. So I, I think that's where his angst is coming from from that that statement. I mean, these are old tropes, right? Like these are things that have been around, you know, that have been yeah. around for a time. Like, there's no originality here from Kanye. You know, it's not like this guy really like educated himself and decided that he was going to make this statement about the eight Jewish people that were, you know, in control of contracts in his world. You know, this guy's right. like this functioning at a very, very childish level. You know, I would agree, and then I would extend that a little bit too, and said, you know, you're supposed to be the arbiter of this whole thing. Why? Why were you letting all these other people make these decisions? You know, if you're, if you're, you know, it, you should have a manager that you trust. You should have agents that you trust. You should have these people that you trust. If you don't trust them, you fire them. So if all of a sudden you had eight of these guys around you, where was the disconnect in the thought process and the choice? And, and whose responsibility is that? And I think if it's all yay, then that responsibility falls on him. And, you know, I, I never heard the acknowledgement of any any sort of level of that. Yeah, I, think, no. hey, I think something, stop. though, that we have stop to pay attention to is that there's something about access that's really important about being able to rise up the way that you want to be able to rise up and who you have in your network and who you're connected with. And I think part of the the sometimes the issue that lies here is that access point is pretty narrow. And it's controlled by by a pretty narrow group of people. Let's even let's just take out the, the race thing. Like we should have an issue of like the fact that it's dominated, like media is dominated 
by a handful of white men. I've got issue with that on some levels, right? We should we should be paying attention to this stuff. So it's not that like Kanye maybe had access to like the best managers, the best lawyers, the best people in his direct network that he had to maybe go beyond what he was comfortable with to get access to the people that could get him to the to the places that he wanted to go. Is wonder, that an issue? Is that something that needs to be paid attention to? It is isn't. Like, I don't really care what happens in Hollywood. I don't care if it's all dominated by one group with a single commonality. It has no bearing on my life. You know, like, well, if, you, if you're looking at it as, you know, like, hey, these guys are all conspiring to make money, you know, to, for, to, you know, make money and more importantly, power, right? Then now we got something to talk about. But like I said, you got to bridge that gap. And to this date, no one's been able to do that. And that's silly thing with the LA Times, you know, uh, you know writing about, all these Jewish people in positions of power that own all these Hollywood production companies, man, is just silly. Really, I think this is just another level of divide and conquer. If you if you if you have a far enough vision, um, because you know it's not about white or Jew or whatever. That's not what the actual issue is. The actual issue is is that there's a small handful of people who give a two rats asses about the rest of people, and they love their little power club, and you're not a part of it. That's the real problem. And those people are willing to commit all sorts of atrocities to maintain and gain more power in the world. It doesn't matter what sort of loose correlations they may have from an ethnic point of view, religious standpoint, or the color of their skin. It's just a piece of shit versus the rest of the world. That's the actual problem that should be being discussed. But by the time you actually get to those discussions, it becomes a Jew. It becomes a white person. It becomes racism. It becomes a Nazi. It becomes all these things. So you can't actually have that conversation. Yeah, well yeah, said, Ben. I agree with that. Being distasteful. What was that, Paul? There's no law against being distasteful. Well, no, then there shouldn't be. Yeah, I. You know, it, it makes me. In a, in a weird, ironic twist, isn't it weird that there's a, a representative from the black community and a representative from the Jewish community? Both talking about how their people are being oppressed, and one is a billionaire and one is a multimillionaire. Like I'm not sure that those are the best representatives to be talking about how oppressed their people are. Why? Because it doesn't seem to me the level of suffering those two individuals have gone through is the same level of suffering that people in their group have gone through. And it seems that he who is closest to suffering tends to be the best person to talk about. Yeah. But I think you got to look at Kanye's rise happened through suffering. Yes. So sure. that's not, it's not like he was born with the silver. Sp I don't know what Lex's history right. is, or how he came into his wealth other than just, you know, his, his knowledge. And, but like, yeah, I think on some levels, you, you got to look at the whole journey of a human being that brought them to these places and say, like, just because they they're not at this level that they didn't suffer and therefore they can't speak to uh, the experience of that. Well, I think everybody can have their opinion. I think, I think kind of what George was leaning into a little bit was that um, when the individuals who are hearing that message reflect on it. They're going to look at like, Oh, look at this guy in his fucking gold gilded cage. Right. You know, like what, what, what does he have to worry about? You know, he gets spoon fed all these things. And they, you know, regardless of the truth of that, that is the sentiment. That is how people reflect upon these things, especially if you're in the midst of the struggle and you look and you're like, Oh, 
there's some idiot spouting his mouth, then he's he's super wealthy and he he's all hoorah rah. Meanwhile, I don't even have the time to barely listen to the guy because I'm sniffing dirt over here. But I also don't think that Kanye is advocating for honestly anything that Kanye is trying to change is for other elite people. He's trying to change the game at the right. highest level. He's talking. He's not trying to be a and voice of the common oppression. He's talking about the oppression of the elites, right? That's yeah. so. Well, I don't think it really then, matters. Well, but then he comes out and he starts talking about higher DNA and all this other stuff, and that's a very slippery slope. And when people start using words like that, millions of people end up dead. Well, ex so exactly. I'm not again. I'm not advocating uh, for the things. I was like beginning to look at what's. Again, trying to, to keep it at that 50,000 foot view of the situation that we feel like is this is emblematic of. Because I feel like, George, what you said before you showed that clip was just spot on of like how we could begin looking at this at a higher level. Yeah. So staying in that vein, like, what do you think? I mean, this is kind of subjective and we don't have the right to infer what people are feeling or thinking. But just for a thought experiment, what do you think Kanye could have said? That would have got his point across and have been been better at it. I think you focus on the economic side of it. You don't you don't bring in the race. You don't bring in this. You focus on the the power structures and the economy, and and, and how that's all correlated and, and related to one another, and the ins and outs, the roadblocks that we were talking about before. I think that's the proper conversation to have because then you're not alienating people just off of a single word or a sentence or two. Now you're actually, you know, everybody is pretty intimately aware of what money means in the world. And so now you can have that and have that conversation and probably get it a point across a little bit better. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think from like a third person point of view? If you see some, if you see, I don't know, maybe you think Kanye's in pain or maybe not, but what do you think he could have done better in that interview that would have made him come across a little bit more intelligent? Maybe he could have scripted it first. <laughs> yeah, right. He strikes me as like a really good writer because his lyrics are great, but he cannot articulate well at all. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm a little slow today, guys. I just came back from a three-day Vipassana retreat. My brain's not quite functioning not normally <laughs> what kind of retreat vipassana it's a sh uh, it's like the um they claim it's buddhist technique but who really knows it's you know complete silence no internet nothing for uh usually 10 days but i just did a three-day one this time nice very nice so my mind's like kind of slowed down a lot and i have trouble attaching to ideas today apologies oh yeah Nice. I'm stoked you're here, man. Thanks for being here. Paul, what, what, is there something else he could have said that would have maybe garnered more respect from you? I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, you know, like the way he said it was, you know, was pretty bold. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I think I would probably agree with, with Ben, you know, like make it more about, you know, anything than what he was trying to make it about, right? I mean, literally anything. And nice. then that would probably, you know, been a better outcome, but like DEFCON, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, on the Jews, yeah. it's like that kind of stuff. It's just like, oh, I'm, I'm a little sleepy, okay, you know, and then, and then just kind of go on, you know, go on a rant, you know, and, and, and it's, you know, what the interesting thing is, is like we're, we're having this discussion. I mean, you know, like whatever Kanye is saying about like the 
the music industry or the sports industry or Hollywood in general. You know, I mean, it's basically he's arguing for one person, Kanye. You know, none of these things that he talks about really apply to me or anybody I well, a couple of people I know. But you know, it's it, you know, these aren't like you know, these are like first world wealthy freaking famous people problem. Like you know, each one of those you know descriptives is like really you know like a thousand times over narrows the pool of people that we're talking about down to one Kanye you know so, so he's up there he's melting down midlife crisis wife's out banging somebody else you know and he's you know he's he's struggling with that and you know and then you know and then he's just not very bright and you know doesn't really have a a, a firm grasp on the English language however great of a writer he says he is you know and 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 this is what happens right he's just out there crying to the world about the things that he's going through so you know this is i I see this as a lot of like you know the cult of celebrity right you know it, it seems that you know there's such a impetus to to have all of this celebrity in Hollywood and all of these things. We can even extend it to sports and all of that stuff too. And you know, all of these things are just these wild things that really like Paul is saying don't apply to you and I or anybody else that we really know all that much. But yet all of a sudden here we are, we're talking about it. How many other people have talked about it? What things have happened in the world in the past month you know there's still a war going on you know there's still all these other things happening what sort of things are missed because of this this cult of celebrity this zeitgeist that we have perpetrating the west well i think that's real tragedy that is a tragedy hey paul can you can you pull up on your mic a little bit it's harder to hear you you know that that is a tragedy that's a real tragedy but Let's talk about the things that he said that actually, you know, affect all of us. Like, you know, his wild conspiracies about Jewish people or his wild conspiracies, you know, about anything, really. You know, the guy seems to be kind of embroiled in conspiracy theory here, you know. <clears throat> and what, how, what kind of, what does him saying those types of things, what type of effect does that have on the American public? Like people who are just like, Hey, I really don't know about any, any, you know, a lot of these things that Kanye speaks of, but because he's talking about it, he's lending it credibility. However wild and crazy these conspiracy theories that he's brought up over the last month are, to me, that's the thing. We talk about like you know, what did George say earlier about like you know what, how do these things play with society? Well, just like we're lending credibility to a guy who speaks about things in the most crazy ways, and. You know, without really addressing, like, you know, what is what's the downside of this guy speaking about this shit? You know, and what's the downside of having millions of people actually take him seriously? I so wait, yeah, yeah, good. How is that different from the Alex Jones situation, in your opinion? It's not. It's not much different than the Alex Jones situation. In fact, I think Kanye gets a lot of his stuff from the likes of <laughs> Alex Jones and you know Mark Levin. And you know, you know, Rush Limbaugh, may he rot in hell, and a bunch of all, you know, a whole bunch of all these other conspiracy theorists out there. You know, it's like it's the dumbing down of America. Hey, let's have a debate on things that aren't rooted in truth. You know, and let, let's actually take it seriously, and then let's go out and spread these lies. 
you know, that have there they have no basis at all, in fact. And then, you know, and then we'll see what it does to American society. I think we're seeing the fallout of that right now. So you think well, maybe I don't it's think a- you can blame that on the conspiracy theorists because we get lied to all the time on all angles. The, the problem with conspiracy theory is that conspiracy is real. Yeah, conspiracies and happen. And ha- mm-hmm. happens and has been proven to happen. And, you know, and so there is a body of evidence that can support some of these conspiracy theories. And some of, you know, I'm not saying what Kanye said, not at all. Look, there really um, is no body of evidence that can support these things. Really. Absolutely. Where do you think the no, Fed no, came no. from in this country, bud? Like, like what we're saying. <laughs> Like, 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 I would really love to hear somebody argue uh, because this is true over here. That means this is true over here. That's not. That's not how it works. It's evidence Absent- that suggests. Yeah. Absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. All right, but that's the same argument that they made for the weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Right. So, so power justifies itself. So power justifies itself. That's a conspiracy, right? I mean, the ultimate. (laughs) Well, I would say power is the ultimate justification, whether we like it or not. You know, whoever has the biggest bomb wins. Like that's that's our foreign policy. That's the idea. Whoever has the biggest platform and says whatever enough times, they end up being the truth. And we're back to Goebbels, right? The bigger the lie, the more people believe it, which takes us right back to conspiracies. (laughs) Right. You know, and I think we do have evidence, enough evidence, at least you know, what we call evidence, that, that indicates that there is definitely right. conspiratorial nature in this world. Uh, and it's usually moderated, mediated by people in the upper echelons of, of whatever system you want to call you it. Guys, sorry, did you guys see the Kim.com Twitter thread? No, what happened? Um, you remember the Russia pipeline bombing from a few weeks back, right? Right. Apparently, someone had access to, I don't know if this is true or not, I haven't verified it. Apparently, someone had access to the um, Apple iCloud between Liz Truss in the UK and Senator, or sorry, whoever Blinken is, Secretary of State. And she sent him a text like one minute after the bombing and says, it's done. Uh-oh. Don't know if it's true, but that would be a conspiracy if it is true. Well, then yeah. she up and she up and uh, quit. What, just forty five days yeah. in? Yeah, right after <laughs> that, that she was that gone. Right? That really doesn't no. help the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think the go ahead, please. No, no. Like the the United States was founded on a conspiracy, right? That's a conspiracy theory. So you should find <laughs> us a billion dollars for even talking about it. That's the problem. Okay. See, this is kind of what I think. This is a another problem people aren't talking about is like. If, if we agree with Paul and we say Kanye is just a dummy, he doesn't make, who cares what he says, then why are people making such a big deal of it? And like the, way, the wrong way to shut down an argument is to call someone a conspiracy theorist. That's the worst way you could possibly do it because good arguments beat bad arguments all day long. When you say someone's a conspiracy theorist, I'm not going to talk about it, that makes you look really weak and it makes you look as if you're afraid to talk about it. And I think there's, that's a side chain to censorship. Like, hey, this person, we're not going to talk to him. Why not? If he's stupid, you can just destroy him. Well, we're not going to talk to him because, you know, he's real popular and he does a lot of stuff and he has a big reach. And like, see, the more you begin coming up with reasons why you censor somebody or when you just use one, that's hate speech. That's a conspiracy theory. Like that's just shutting someone down. 
let him talk. Like people can decide. People aren't stupid. People understand when someone's bullshitting. And if you let someone dig themselves a big enough hole, they're never going to get out of it. I think what you're going to see and what bothers me, too, is that I think by the media saying, hey, you can never say this about Jewish people. Like they're making it worse. Like they're, they're, it's like the Streisand sure. effect, right? Like, yeah. hey, don't, 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 talk, don't talk about it. Okay, now everyone wants to talk about it. If you tell your kid, don't do that, what's your kid going to do? They're going to do it. Like, let them go. Let them feed them the rope, right? Just feed them the rope. And I, I think they're making a huge mistake here. And, and so too are people that try to shut down debates. You know, I think Paul's right. We should have debates. And who, let, let, it, let people go and debate. There should be rules for debate. But the dumb argument will lose, in my opinion. What do you guys think? I think you're wrong on like so many levels, George. It's incredible. Okay. <clears throat> um, first, like if we look at like what Ben says about the average education of Americans, you saying like people are smart enough to figure this stuff out. Well, I think Ben could probably argue that really well. Another thing is is this whole idea of like you know like we should just have debates with conspiracy theorists. No, we don't. We don't argue. Drunk people are crazies, right? So like, someone who's a conspiracy theorist is crazy. Typically, a lot of conspiracy theorists are crazy. You listen to like like Marjorie. But look Taylor. how you're throwing that out there. You're just throwing out a conspiracy theorists. So anybody you don't like is a conspiracy theorist. That's what no, it sounds like to me. That's not true at all. No, people who say crazy shit about conspiracy theories are conspiracy theorists. So it just so happens that people you don't like are conspiracy theorists then. No, no, no. There's plenty of people that I don't like that are not conspiracy theorists. But, the, but all the ones that... Can you think of somebody you do like that's a conspiracy theorist? Somebody that I do like that's a conspiracy yes. theorist? Well, I like you, George. I do. That was coming. <laughs> you don't like me, man. I just gave you conspiracy. Well, right, right. So, I was going to say, isn't a conspiracy... Saying conspiracy theory crazy shit? Isn't that kind of sometimes what makes it a conspiracy theory? Is it, well, I think I think there's an, and what's, what's crazy? Like, an I, element I, of nefariousness, I think, is what makes it a conspiracy. Something like that. Well, I don't no, know. I mean, we should look it up. Yeah, look it up. Something I have like, it right here. George is always right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's Wikipedia that real quick. <laughs> we'll edit your page. Yeah, totally. Right. Definition of conspiracy. A secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. Well, there you okay. have it. That happens all the time. What about the banking industry? All the time. Yeah. More oh, <laughs> yeah, more Jewish people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's funny in a lot of ways, man. <laughs> okay, let me let me move to another clip here and see what you guys have to think. Again, we're gonna try to steel man it. We'll, we'll talk about it, and we will try to see if he could say something different. The idea of anti-Semitism and the the closeness of uh the holocaust is used by certain individuals in media to not take accountability for the bad things that that are happening anyone want to take that I mean, again, it's such a huge stretch. Yeah. 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 Don't get me wrong. I'm a lot of people have been, you know, like called a Nazi just because uh, it was convenient for ratings or defeated a, an argument or whatever. Um, so 
I think in that in that small train of thought, I think yes, that does happen. But I don't think that it's nearly as replete as he would seem to indicate there. You know, when we look at hate, like I, I believe in Germany, you can go to jail for bringing up the Holocaust or speaking hate speech, which, you know, I, I, I fear the idea of someone being having money taken from them or the idea of someone losing their freedom for saying something. Well, you know, I think so, that that's a bridge too far. Right. And I wanted to say this earlier is, you know, again, this is a small component of something that's you know, a much larger system at play here. You know, this is the cancel culture. This is, you know, the trucker rally in Canada where all of a sudden their bank accounts got cleaned out because, because they were protesting. This is, you know, all of these similar instances are happening in every country in the world, right? On top of it, you also see things like a China and the Great Fire Firewall of China and then trying to control speech. Um, we just had a ministry of misinformation that got shot down in a couple of weeks because people went, what the fuck? Uh, you know, so there is a concerted effort to control what is being said. And I think that concerted effort is coming because the people, the power structures in play, they, you know, you, if these conversations come out in the open, uh, you know, now they are liable. They become, you know, they're not these grand leaders. They're not, they're not these golden boys and women who go out and, you know, wear the crowns and all of these other things. They're just shown to be humans fallible, just like the rest of us. And that is not, that does not breed great continuity for power. What do you think, Jason? You're awfully quiet over there. I'm just loving listening. I mean, I feel like to your point, Ben, like if that is on some levels, it feels like that's a little bit of what Kanye is trying to call out just in an extremely inarticulate way is and, and basically saying like, there's this thing. This is my experience. This is what I've seen. I'm trying to shine a light on what this thing is of what's going on. And again, only in the elements that he can see and understand within, you know, the arts and, and media. And can like, what about some of the pieces too of like, you know, where he felt like he was being, being handled around what he could and could not say, like the control, you know, you even go back to him putting on the red hat, right? Like, is he a crazy conspiracy theorist? Cause he put on the red hat or is part of what makes this country great. The freedom that Kanye should be able to wear the red hat regardless of his status. But it's like, oh no, he has a platform that's dangerous. He's continuing to espouse you know, something that 50% of this country agrees with or whatever, right? Like, it's interesting. Like, what happens when someone like that, that breaks a mold that's kind of set, begins to then go just, well, he's crazy. He's a conspiracy theorist and, and canceled, right? You know, now, like, colleges are, are I think it's Texas A&M is no longer playing, like, Power, one of his, like, you know, a song from 10 plus years ago, because it's now, like, Kanye's dangerous. Like, that feels like cancel culture at its like highest right now and that's to me what's also interesting just not about what Kanye is saying but just like what's happening how is this thing responding to him that's a very well, interesting point because that was the slippery slope that led to led to fascism last time just as a note right well, listen there's there's really no articulate way to say what he's saying like i mean that's kind of the point of this conversation right here right it's like how do you how do you speak about these things that are conspiratorial in nature? What he says about Jewish people, and and to make an articulate argument out of that without using 
the lowest forms of debate that we're all the you know at least the five of us here are aware of. You can't do it, and that's the problem. You know, it would take a far more sophisticated person than one Kanye West to even try to make those types of arguments. People have tried to make those types of arguments about Jewish people for a couple thousand years and have failed spectacularly doing it. A lot smarter people than Kanye or myself or any one of us. Because what they're talking about is it's innuendo, it's conspiracy, it's there's no so could we, it's rooted in reality or truth. It's, it's could hard. we just for a moment take out the Jewish thing, okay? If we were just to take that out and we were just to start saying power structures. Right, like whatever, whatever there is, we know there are power structures that are controlling our consumption of what we can and cannot say. Like that is the reality. I feel like of what we're seeing happen. So, how do you fight that power structure? How, like, how do you articulate something? And do you have to go to the lowest levels to like light the matches? Be like, I'm gonna fucking just bomb this shit. Like, and then we'll see what comes of it. Like, is that one method? Like, I think that's a little bit of what we're seeing. But how do you fight the power structure? Well, that's the problem, name it right? first. He, this guy's just saying that the entire power structure is made up of a group of people that have commonality of which they use to conspire against everybody else. With. So I would tell Kanye, give yourself a better attorney. But the problem is, is he's, you know, he would, they're all Jewish. <laughs> let's, let's talk about law and Jewish people. Let's talk about medicine and Jewish people. Let's talk about freaking, you know what I mean? Hollywood and Jewish people and banking and Jewish people and all the rest of that stuff. So, like, you want to substitute power structure, you know, for Jews, like, that's not even, like, reality. That has nothing to do with what this man is saying at all. I, I disagree. I think it does have a lot to do with what he's saying. I think this is actually his utter, his point. He just doesn't know what his point is. Mm -hmm. That's what I would argue from what I've been hearing, because, you know, he's, he's seeing the he's seeing the all of these negative points of this and he's been experiencing this and, and then he got a hold of you know some alex jones material and he probably read a few websites and then and then all of a sudden he got this idea but you know the, that idea is an extrapolation from you know the power structures that do run this world and those those are real power structures and they're not all jews um you know for the record uh, it, there's multiple groups, and these multiple groups all are aware of each other. They don't, don't they don't, they don't all get along, but they all are very in agreement on holding the barriers of entry to having platforms like this and being able to go out and talk like Kanye just did, and that's why he's feeling the financial repercussions of this. That's why they're painting him as an anti-Semitist. That's why, you know, they're removing all of his contracts. That's why he's lost a couple billion dollars in wealth. Because they're trying to make it hurt because you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to challenge the power structure, however yeah. inarticulate you are about it. But none of this stuff made any sense to Kanye, at, you know, in, 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 in such a way, right, until he wrapped it all together with them all being Jews. That's what I'm right. saying. I would like, agree. With so that. I would, how do you I would agree. He's he, he's hard he's hard up on the on the Jew aspect of the whole thing. So you can't so, substitute power structure for Jewish. That's what I'm saying. You can't do that. It's you know, he's we're only have, having this conversation because he somehow wrapped all this stuff together and them all being Jewish. Well, you can have idea of what the problem is, but but have the wrong suspect. 
You know what I mean? Like, you know, those, you know, there's a crime happening, but you got the wrong suspect. That happens for, all the time in lineups, right? For sure. Something that, I'm curious. But, and again, I don't, I don't want to shift things too far, but again, yeah. we talk about like, I, I get concerned when you see, you know, a, a commonality between people um, that, that are kind of congregating in powers of structure. So for example, like one of the biggest things that I'm worried about is Christian nationalism and its rise in America. I think we're in the next two years, we're going to see this massive uh, arrival of Christian nationalism and it's happening. The seeds are getting planted. Like there's some crazy shit that's happening. And that scares me that you get Christians who are now trying to control politics with a platform. And Christian nationalism is something we should all be fearful of. But, you know, how like but when but what do we do when we see common groups of people coming together that hold power? Is that worthy of a deeper look? Is it worthy to say we should be looking deeper at some of this stuff? Or are we said, oh, if you look deeper, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be this thing or you're going to be canceled in some way, shape or form. Well, you are going to be canceled in one way, shape or form. That's what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so yes. So, yeah, so, to to, to we, the first part of your question is, is yes, we should we should look at these things. We should have conversations about them, but it's also it, it, there has to be something said about the nature of the conversations we have and how we have those conversations. The way he's doing it, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not. You're. You might start a dumpster fire that might kick off a conflagration, but do you want to be responsible for all the blood that that's going to shed? I serve as fuck, wouldn't? Mm-hmm. So you need to go, you need to, if you're intelligent and you really want to affect change in this environment, in this space, then you need to have that real conversation with yourself and say, okay, how do we have that conversation? How do I bring this to the table? What sort of evidence do I need to support what I'm saying? And, you know, none of that was there, obviously. That was my big, mm-hmm. one of my big problems with how this all went down. Yeah, well said. I think, you know, looking... My wife is Chinese and they have a saying or her dad has a saying that I hope that's not racist to say that, but <laughs> they um, have this thing that says, <laughs> if something happens once, it may never happen again, but if it happens twice, it'll definitely happen again. And Paul had already brought up that there are a lot of tropes about Jewish people. And, you know, I think I'm pretty sure Kanye's father is a black Panther. So I'm, you know, I, I'm sure that Kanye hangs out with people that he feels are his peers and he he i'm sure he has conversations about these ideas instead of just going and and running full out of the mouth i'm sure he it seems to me in the conversations he's done he he did well in some areas that i thought he made up some really good points and so i'm bringing that up because i think he talks to other leaders in his community about it and how i tie these two things together of old tropes and what kanye saying is you know i i think that it's possible that you know Kanye could be made a martyr in some ways. Like I, I hear some of the stuff that he says, almost like Malcolm X, almost like black leaders of the community. Like I, when he start, when he gets onto a platform and he talks about my people being sick and my people being aborted, like that's true. That's a, that's a, those are true points. And I bet you that there's a lot of people that identify with that. And I didn't hear in any any context anybody that he was talking to debate those points. And so I could see there being, with him being even further canceled, a growing groundswell of support to put him in a leadership position like that. And if we look back at history, we saw black nationalism. We see white nationalism. We, you know, uh, Jason was pointing out the Christian fundamentalists. I, I see a growing 
a growing segmentation of groups, especially with a financial crisis happening. You know, when everybody's making money, everyone gets along. When you start taking the money out of the equation, guess what? There begins to be friction happening. So, Jason, I'm wondering, what do you think? At any point in time, on some of what Kanye was saying, and looking back at nationalism of all kinds in history, do you think that there are people who are beginning to see Kanye as a black nationalist leader, or a leader like Dr. King, or a leader like you know, Farrakhan, or some sort of leader in the community? What do you think? No, no, I don't think Kanye is a leader. Um, I think Kanye knows he's not the leader, honestly. Mm. I think, I think we got to look at it from, again, putting Kanye in his place as an artist. That's the, that's the category that I would hold Kanye in, is he's an artist that produces art. And anytime you have someone that is producing art in a time like what we're living in, it's art that's interesting to pay attention to. And honestly, I have a bit of a theory that I think Kanye has realized his whole thing is performance art. Mm. Um, you guys know, did you guys ever see the movie The Prestige? I have, yeah. Okay, so this is this is my deep like this is my Kanye conspiracy. Okay, guys, this is this is what I think Kanye is doing. You remember how there was the the magician that um, was the twin, and then there was the magician that tried to solve the problem like the twin, and the twins were committed to a life of magic. They were committed to a life of performance art so much so that they sacrificed their their ability to live as individuals because they had to become one man. And I, I think on some level, somewhere along this line, Kanye became a performance artist. And, and is, he's, he's a Gemini. We look at his astrology. He's got this twin energy. And I think on some levels, this whole thing is performance art. At its great, like, honestly, if we go back and look at this thing, it is art. He is doing something at some level that is worthy of artistic appreciation not intellectual not scientific not historical like all these other categories that we want to put kanye in but just as an artist and that's the thing i appreciate the most and that's why like i like looking at it because i see him as a performance artist he is a twin he is fucked up he is sacrificing his life in all of these ways and these dualities and 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 that's i think actually what we're seeing take place with kanye is the prestige at its grandest scale it's a magic trick and it's 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 interesting to pay attention to well, on that yeah, well, level it's, he, he yeah. thought off his uh his helper's head in the wooden box with his magic trick you know what i mean it's you failed <laughs> spectacular but, paul you haven't seen the movie have you seen prestige <laughs> no i haven't seen the movie yeah at one point <laughs> he shoots himself in the hand like he pulls the magic. Yeah, you, you can't get the analogy, man. He's not signing any. He's signing his own head off. That's the thing. That's the magic of what this is. Is he aware of that though? Or is this, I don't know if or, he's actually aware of that. See, see, that's the thing. It might it might be it might be taken retroactively as a magnificent moment of performance art. I can see that. I can very yeah. much see that. But is he actually aware that he's playing the game? Or is there a magician pulling the strings for this? I, that's the that's the interesting thing right like we don't like we don't know but like well um, the final act would tell us if, exactly you know. and we've not seen it we've not seen the final act with kanye so it's a it's an we unfolding performance that's disappointing right. do you does do you think um arnold schwarzenegger or joe biden realized they were governors or presidents <laughs> there's a magic uh, act for you right yeah there's another magic act <laughs> All right, I got another clip. See what you guys think. 
gamified. You're pretty offensive towards towards a lot, and I'm not looking to be offensive. I really want to bring people together and get these sales I know, done. But the work, I 100. I see your vision. How do we do? But somebody you care. F- well, not don't say Jewish media and Jewish Jewish controlled media. JM. <laughs> like, man, you sound you sound like it. It sounds too much. Like 1930s Nazi Germany, that was leading up to the atrocities. Oh, this, he, he would say JM. Yeah, he was branded JM. That's right. No, it's just the 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 implied, like this um, memeified, uh, prejudice towards a group in a way that's going to lead to hate. And I don't, I know you don't mean that. I know I know you have love in your heart. The towards towards a lot. Okay, so let me remove that. So what do you think Kanye's got love in his heart, or is like do do you think that maybe he's he's upset about everything that's going on in his life and he's acting out of emotion? Do you does anybody think that he really wants to hurt Jewish people? He's an artist at the end of the day. I don't think he's, you know, trying to prop up, you know, a, a next fascism movement. Um, but to Lex's point and to what I was mentioning earlier, these are the types of tropes. These are the types of words. These are the types of associations that did lead to that, right? If all of a sudden, and, and back to what Paul was mentioning earlier, if you have a populace that has a sum total of, you know, 50% of them of a sixth grade education, how much information can they digest? How much mm. of this are they going to see? What are they going to take away? They're going to take away the most salient and loud points, which, you know, in Kanye's perspective is Jews are bad, Jewish media, all this stuff. There's not a, there's not a frame of reference to rationalize these things in. And when you don't have that frame of reference, that's when people begin to get radicalized. And that radicalization leads to pretty, pretty shitty outcomes. Yeah, I can see that. What do you think, Jason? I mean, I think, again, it's the, the articulation, uh, the way that he's going at it is, um, is it, it's not handling... The, the full context earlier in that interview, he talks about history and how we need to not pay attention to history. Mm. And, you know, again, I think that's a really stupid way to think about things, right? Um, that, that we gotta, you know, we need history, but let's look at the other side of the coin. The history that we have told to the masses is a, a, a probably curated history at, at best. And so, when we start, when, when Kanye is trying to say, hey, let's not pay attention to history anymore because the history we were told is false. It's not the actual history. But then when you try to apply that to the conspiracy side of things of the Holocaust and some of the, the, the more extreme crazy shit, to use Paul's word, conspiracy theories of, you know, around the Holocaust, then we get, you know, a, a really um, inflated sense of canceling history. Right. So, again, this is where's the nuance in some of this stuff? Like, 
the history that we have, right? Is it the, the true history? Is it, a, is it one history? Are there other perspectives? 100%. We have to be able to hold space for that. But at the same time, we can't, you know, we have to learn from the things that are, that we at least are able to, to perceive. I don't know. I'm curious, Ben, what's your thought on that? Like, we know history is skewed. We know there's other histories. How do we handle this when we're trying to talk about things that are current today? No, there's absolutely. no absolutes. <laughs> so how do you apply that method? To, seriously, how do you apply that to, to some of the stuff? Well, you know, the idea is, is that there is very many perspectives on history, but history did happen. And so the idea then is you have a foundation to build from. We know that we came from something. So then, you know, then it becomes an effort in research and, you know, so the science of history and anthropology, putting together the stories, collaborating those stories, finding other stories that collaborate it from even without being attached to those stories. And then you can start to thread, you know, at least a rough idea of where things came from. Uh, and, you know, but you're always aware that it's not absolute, just like, it, you know, you don't go off and say it's all Jewish media. That's an absolute statement. You don't say it's all Jews. That's an absolute statement. What's Jews? I guarantee you there's a lot of fucking Jews out there who are like, dude, come on. <laughs> you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, you know, I've been, a, I've, my family's been shoemakers for four generations. You know, you know, you know, there's all these, when you start to use these absolutes and you draw the, and you draw these monoliths in the sand, all of a sudden you end up with people on two sides of a monolith when it's actually just an illusion, a mirage in, in the desert. And you're both standing on a line in the sand yelling at each other when mm -hmm. actually you should be trying to look and get out of the desert. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, it seems like the people on the bottom are sacrificed, you know, and I, I have to agree with the divide and conquer. I think in that same particular interview, Lex had mentioned that it's looking a lot like World War Two and not just with Kanye and Jews is it looking like World War II, but international and national finance, Russia, Britain, like, you know, these little skirmishes about pipelines and energy and resources. Like, it, it seems to me that we are, one need only take a cursory glance at the news to see how dire things are, whether you believe in the truth of the media or not. The fact is, it, it is dire. There are people who are really threatened right now. When you look at people's livelihood for the next year when it comes to food security, or you look at the wintertime for energy resources, there's, we're, we're just beginning to go through the incredible difficult times that are, are headed our way. And, and I think that groups fighting each other are a symptom of that sickness. I think that there's always in-group preference in every single race, and that that becomes stronger and stronger as resources become scarcer and scarcer. So you, it's unfortunate, but I think you're going to see a lot more of, you know, hate ink coming up between different groups in the future, just because there's less resources, just because there's, there's less, less in the world right now. What do you guys think? Do you see some similarities between world war two and now besides the current conversation we're having? I do, but I'll let somebody else talk because I. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what do you think as a as someone who is living in a different country? I mean, I fully concur with what you said. I think it's a hybrid of world, uh, perhaps a new extra national thing, and then you're going to have these within country things going on simultaneously everywhere. 
and it's just what you said it's it's the in groups being divided and fighting over resources so it's i think it's going to be different if it does break out it, it'll be it's not quite world war ii it's it's a new thing but mm -hmm. i think the the principles are the same you know i, I think it's always been ahead, happening paul. you think it's always been happening paul yeah i mean there's always been turmoil there's always been war you know there's always been famine there's always been you know this since you know sensationalized media you know since there's been media you know because it's what sells you know i think you know i i i'm i come from the school of like i don't believe we're living in the most important times i think we're living in the most current time and you know and and every generation that's come before us you know at one point or the other thought that you know that their time that they were living in was you know like this is it this is what's happening i remember when i was a kid you know like the world's going to come to an end then there was the whole 2012 thing and then there was the you know going from 1999 to 2000 and you know what i mean and all these things like you know like the society's going to fall apart and you know, we're going to take be taken over by robots or whatever you know i just think it's it's just always been that way there's always been turmoil in the world and i don't think that you know that it's any greater now than you know than it has been in the past i think it's just the way the world works i think it's much less now i think if we were to look at people at, at a whole and say the amount of suffering that's happening worldwide i think it would be a pretty drastic difference from just even 100 150 years ago in terms of the amount of suffering that's that's occurring i mean look we're sitting here talking about a guy who's been on tv and in podcasts and on the internet you know how big is the struggle really it, which kind of leads me to a little bit of pushback to you george is you know Please. you said that there's the scarcity and that you know it's it, we're just kind of it almost sounded like we're we're just we happen to be have some scarcity now whereas we've technologically advanced ourselves to points you know even 20 years ago the materials that we have access to look at lithium-ion batteries look at all of these technologies look at all of the ability for us to gain more resources and especially the most important resource of time in our lives um to you know there's no reason to have the, the scarcity that we have minus a few bad decisions supply chains things like this but these are things that once they break they create other opportunities so there shouldn't be a massive degradation happening unless it's intention there's yeah. a conspiracy theory paul I, I would i would clarify on on i guess what i would i if i could i guess if i could re reify my idea of scarcity i would say that it's almost a um like a scarcity mindset. You know, there are a lot of opportunities right now. And we live in an amazing time. However, people were just locked in their houses for a year. Some people think they're going to die from an invisible virus. And sometimes a lot of people think that the cure is worse than the virus. And like these are all things that promote small-mindedness because they you, people are living in a state of fear. And whenever you live in a state of fear, all your options seem to be closed off. Even if that state of fear is something that's contrived, you know, you live sure. in scarcity. Like you don't have, like, even though you could get food outside, you know, you're afraid to leave your house. And I guess that that's what I meant by this gotcha. form of scarcity. You know, I, 
I do. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity. And, and sometimes I think this is exactly what freedom looks like. Right now, there's not a whole lot of control out there. And maybe that's why there's this onslaught of division that's being shoved down our throats through every single form of media, be it radio, television, internet, Twitter, Instagram. There's all this hate out there. And regardless if we talk regardless of who runs the media, people in media are putting this content out. And we can we can argue if it's for clicks, if it's for money, but the fact is it's being put out. And what does that do to people? What does that do to the individual? What does that do to families? What does that do to races? Well, it makes them fight. It makes them feel as if they're in the fight or flight mode. So on some level, Kanye calling out the media in my book is well worth being applauded over. It's a problem. The media is a problem. It's a huge problem. And people know that. And it seems to me maybe in this case, the Jewish people are being scapegoats. Like, oh, you know, over oh, there using the Jews. It shouldn't be about Jewish people or black people or white people. It should be about the people in charge of the media companies putting out this garbage. And I, I you know, maybe, maybe even if you read Mein Kampf or there's, I'm not going to promote anything that guy says, but in that book, he talks a lot about the media being a problem. We don't need to talk about who runs the media, but the media is a problem. And it was a problem back then. And maybe that's how old tropes get started is that they are misquoted. Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe that's how. I think that Hitler had a point, unquote, George Monty. <laughs> <laughs> Canceled. Not allowed to talk anymore. Hey, everybody heard my disclaimer. You're done, dude. You're done. You're off the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's there are things that happen that continue to happen, and it's not so much a group as it is degradation of society. It's degradation of humanity. And it doesn't have to be applied to one group, but unfortunately it is. It happens all the time. And I think having conversations like this, having these anti-racist conversations like the one I'm giving right now, this anti-Hitler speech I'm well, giving right now. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, just one, one quick thing though. Like yeah. think about this. You're just going there. You're having this conversation. You're talking about this idea that, that kind of, you know, quote, unquote, Hitler had a point and his understanding of media and his controlling of people, right? Again, that's what we're talking about. How do you control the masses? You, you do it through the media, right? right? And then all of a sudden something like that, Kanye, let's say, gets on that same train of thought and is like, I totally can understand that in the most negative ways possible. We got to start changing this. Somebody leaks to the press, oh, Kanye praises Hitler, Right. And now all of a sudden right. he's seen as a Hitler sympathizer. I mean, it's just the dumbing us down. Like we cannot handle nuanced conversations. And that's one of the biggest problems. In part, it's actually due to, I would argue it's due to the structure as well. When you yes. have, when, you know, our news, for instance, is a for-profit business. What do you think is going to happen? Right? Yeah, and we're so, the product. <laughs> exactly. So the structure of these things is actually what I feel is the much more important conversation. If you were to remove the profit structure and shareholders from CNN and Fox News, shit changes real fast. Yes, it does. But you can't do that because then the shareholders aren't making money and then everybody gets as stuff. So, you know, that's the conversation you can't have. But that's the one we should be having. We need to change these foundational structures in society to better represent the individuals in, the, in society as opposed to the, just a few people at the top. So let's just throw this fun one out there. I don't want to go too far off, but you think Elon's going to do that for Twitter? <laughs> By privatizing and like getting out the share? Like, do you think he has that kind of vision or do you think Elon's got a, is he, uh, is he a supervillain? 
I think, well, I, I wouldn't call him a supervillain. I, I wouldn't call him a, this, this grand genius of society either, but that's my personal opinion. But, yeah. Uh, I, I think that there is something true to the old tenet that um, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Uh, there is something to be said about when you can pull all the strings, when you can just fire people for having an opinion on, and you're just having a shitty day, you didn't get your cup of coffee, whatever. And it doesn't matter to you because it doesn't really affect your bottom line. And so your might equals right eventually. Mm -hmm. And unless you are a super mindful person and you are really working on it, and maybe even then you're probably still fucked. I would argue that he's just going to end up in another echo chamber. You know, maybe that'll be more appealing to a wider audience, but it'll still be influenced. You're, you're still going to get, you know, uh, cease and desist letters from the government. You're still going to get, you know, CIAs and Mossad's and all these other people trying to influence uh, public opinion. You're still going to have all these things. You know, there's not some grand technical solution for all of this stuff. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, yeah. it's like, I think part of the problem is, is you got a lot of Americans out there that just believe that the freedom of speech is absolute. It's not. You know, there's so many forms of speech that are not protected. And I think that's where, you know, guys like Elon Musk will find themselves in hot water, you know, for <clears throat> allowing certain types of speech to be promoted on his on his platform. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of where where a lot of this started, where you got a group of people going, oh, we're being censored. We're being booted off of, of social of social media and, and we should end its free speech. I should be able to say anything I want. And it's like, no, that's not what the founders intended. You know, that's not that's not that's not how it's been interpreted by the Supreme Court. You know, you can't just go and say anything you want. It's crazy to think that you can. Yeah, but then you got to get into stuff like that guy, Peter, Dr. Peter Hotez. You heard of that guy? No. Well, maybe he was. Uh, I don't know what university is at, but he tried to argue that arguing against science should be considered hate speech. Because uh, Dr. Fauci was in whatever Congress with the Republicans and he was defensive. And then he tried to say, oh, the Republicans are anti-science. Uh, criticizing science should be hate speech. Like that's that kind of stuff, man. It's just Looney yeah, Tunes world. It's out there. So, what? Know, I said there's silliness out there for sure. Well, that's a problem with hate speech. No one can define what it is exactly anytime i ask someone to say what's hate speech they usually say oh you know it when you see it because it's but that's not a definition that's it's like subjective it's, yeah it's relative at a certain level yeah. right you know i mean you know uh, there's these people you know in, in colleges today they have all these safe spaces and from all these different words that you're not allowed to say george started out this episode saying i don't want to dead name the guy what the fuck <laughs> is a dead name i'm sorry like, this is a silly thing. There is no such thing as a dead name. Uh, I, this is a made-up thing. But yet, in saying that, I could be canceled. I could be taken off. I can be doing all this stuff because that's hate speech. But that's not hate speech. There's no hate, There's no intent behind it. And so unless you, unless you no have a magic, exactly, unless you have a magic little device on your, on your phone, on your app, that says, ah, your intent is poor, then fuck off. Right. <laughs> I think it, that's a social credit score coming. It is. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a very negative social credit score. It's okay. 
You know, there's an interesting um, – I, I was watching the Grand Theft World podcast, and they brought up that all of this could probably – like a lot – I think we could agree, or maybe we can't. Let me ask you. Could we agree that a lot of the reasons why corporations are canceling people, be it media corporations or private corporations, is because they're afraid to get sued? Would you guys agree with that? No. No. No? I don't think it's about being sued. I, I'm mm. sure there's I'm sure there's some motivation for that, like in the United States explicitly, but worldwide, you know, th there's no other litigious society like ours. What do you, what 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 would you guys describe the reason to large corporations canceling people then? Loss of revenue, power. <laughs> I think well, we that we live in a, like I think that these large corporations are so in bed with government, and mm. the way that they're funneling in money through lobbyists that they have power. And so they now have to play to the script of like this, this conscripted thing between corporation and government. And now what you can and cannot do. And there's too much alignment there. They have to pay attention to because it's, they're making a lot of money because of the, the different ways of loopholes and things well, that are in their favor. Let's be a little bit more specific. They're making a lot of money because they paid lobbyists to go influence exactly. the passings of law so that they could be making a lot of money. Exactly. They, yeah. And, and there is another part of the problem. And I think if we, these things are going to continually come back to structure from my perspective mm -hmm. as a systems guy, when you have these structures in place, um, you know, you have a lobbying system where all of a sudden I'm a billionaire tech giant and wow, you know, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to make me, allow me to make my chips in China anymore. Eh, well, that's going to be, you know, $150 million off my bottom line. I'll just go pay $50 million in lobbying and the next, and when this bill comes out, it's going to get, it's going to get put down and that, and that becomes the game. And, and so there's a perpetuation of profit um, that, that, that is the incentive, the carrot on the stick for these people. But then it's the choices via the structures that they have access to that really kind of just fuel this fire and perpetuate this problem. Would that would that would you say that's similar for Adidas dropping Kanye? Because they're Jason, didn't you say they're losing like two hundred fifty million dollars a year, something like quarter. that? Quarter, a quarter. Then Q four, they will lose. I think it's like two hundred and eighty-seven million dollars this quarter um, by not by dropping the Yeezus brand. So, you know, I think. Uh, but again, we're we're dealing with global global companies right i mean this is adidas is based in germany so it's like really interesting when we start looking at the the flow of money and like where all of that's going and who holds the power and like what's behind adidas you know it's all this stuff like you got like on some of us you just continue to follow the money and and that again you begin to tell us the story that you want to see that's again this isn't conspiracy this stuff's pretty well documented by this point right like <laughs> Yeah, so we had a comment that came up. I'm going to read it and then um, get your guys' opinion on it here. This is from Susanna Dominguez. She says, less suffering now? Sure, unless you are a Native American. Kanye is speaking from his perspective. We all see the same thing in a different way. Kanye is hurt by what he thinks is Jewish entitlement. Was something taken away from him or was he denied something? Tolerance is no longer a virtue in mass society. Too much hate speech divides us nowadays. We've de-evolved. Everything changes, but we are on a slippery slope of extreme division. We all need to keep va family values. Ben, what do you think about that? That is a very well thought out comment, Susanna. 
um, and many parts to it. Uh, I would I would have to reiterate. I do think there's less suffering now um, from the Native American perspective. I I, I can kind of understand where you're coming from from that statement. I've, I've spent some time on the res. Um, so, and, and they're pretty, uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, there's no other word for it that I could find. Uh, and so there is a lot of suffering. What I was saying is that proportionally, suffering across the entire world um, is, is less today than before. Uh, now, I could cite some evidence for that or whatnot, but it's going to be a very subjective thing, much to your point. It's going to be, you know, where where you are in life and what your perspective is. Um, you know, obviously the person who just fed, got their meal out of a dumpster tonight thinks they're fucking struggling. And I get that. Uh, but it, it's, you know, when we talk about a lot of these things, I think it's very important to understand that, you know, we have to speak about them from a very broad perspective, looking in and it, with as far as vision as we can, um, because that's what allows us to, you know, see the forest through the trees. Yeah. Paul, what do you think about the comment? Um, you know, just kind of read it right here. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I thought it was well, well thought of, um, no, I'm not I'm a Native American, but I am Native Hawaiian. So, you know, I mean, you know, like from a Hawaiian's point of view, I don't think anything is, you know, I think, I think there's probably as much suffering, if not maybe more, um, happening within the Hawaiian community these days. Um, that, you know, I, I think, uh, I think, um, you know, it's relative to like, you know, let's define suffering. You know, I don't know. Um, the time that we're living in, you know, we, there's a lot of things that are, that are great in the way that we live. There's a lot of things that are terrible in the way that we live. You know, I, I think that, um, I think that I'm still trying to read her thing here. Well, let me let me put a perspective on the suffering statement then for today. Like you know, one thing I would I would cite as evidence in that case would be, uh, you know, years past you had to have nine kids because you know there was a good chance half at least half of them were going to die. You know, child mortality rate these days is very very low. Uh, the death of a child, you know, is you know one I would say one of the greatest sufferings one could experience. Um, and so I think there's, if we look at pieces of data like that, that's where I would make the case from. Yeah. You know, I mean, in Hawaii, we have uh, like your first baby luau, like a big party it has nothing to do with turning one. It has everything to do with like your kids survive to the age of one. That's the history of it. Right. So people came together, had a giant party because your child made it to the age of one. It was a big deal. Um. And then I would agree, like in, in that sense, you know, there's less, you know, there's less suffering in the Hawaiian community. But I think too, like Kanye, like, you know, like is talking about like, not so much from a, like a historical standpoint of, of people suffering. I think his thing is, is to me, what I hear and what he says, it's, it's comparative to other groups of people that black people continue to suffer at a greater rate. You know, they, they continue to be taken advantage of, or at least the, the perception is 
is being taken advantage of. Whereas all these other groups, and this is probably why, and this is like an old, you know, thing within like society is, is, you know, at least here in America is like pitting, you know, Jewish people against black people and black people against Jewish people. And so like in the black community and I, I you know, I mean, I don't live in the black community. I, I did for a little while, but you know, I read a lot of stuff written by black people and, you know, it's always been that struggle. You know what I mean? Of, of like, as a people, why do we continue to enjoy less success compared to all these other groups? And why is our success rate actually declining against a lot of these other groups? And so, you know, I mean, like, like it's, it's all relative, really, you know, like as far as like suffering goes. But I think that's, that's one of the points that Kanye was trying to make in one of the interviews that I was listening, you know, that he was giving. Which to me, like, I, I, I get that part, you know, I mean, I, I sympathize, you know, I look at Hawaiians and Hawaii, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, uh, yeah, we're having children that survive past the age of one at a higher rate. That's great. But we're being forced out of our, you know, off of our land at a higher rate than ever now. You know, we are living below the poverty rate you know, in greater numbers than ever. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, I'm sure there's something in there, you know, when, when I hear Kanye talk about these things that, you know, that's also a concern of his. Yeah. Jason, what do you think about taller in, in that comment? She had, she had spoken not only about the different communities, but tolerance no longer being a virtue. Do you think that's applicable to this discussion? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I'm sorry, I was blown away a little bit by Paul. Like I felt like, yeah, that is Kanye's argument. <laughs> Again, he's not articulating it well, but the, like we look at the larger thing, it's like, there is this, this pitting against, and, and it's like, we're watching some of this get played out on, on a grand scale, which is just, again, the nuance of what's going on. This conversation, there's so many layers to it, so many nuances. And I think that's where we don't have a lot of tolerance. We, we can't sometimes create enough space to actually have a real conversation, a quote unquote safe place for a conversation. It's more of like safe place of what you like, where the boundaries are preset for you. That's not a conversation. That's not freedom. That's not being able to actually be a fallible human being and be like, oh, you know what? Like, I want to learn something from you and I'm going to learn something from you because it probably is going to rub me the wrong way. Right. Like, and, and that's the beauty of this. And this is the beauty of the debate, right? Like, can I hold enough space in my nervous system as a human being to handle somebody saying something that I don't like? And, and then can I internalize that and be like, oh, I wonder what Paul's saying? Right. Like, I have so much to learn from Paul. I have so much respect for Paul, even though I've never seen Paul's face. But I just love listening to like Paul articulate because there's so much to learn there. But there might be times where it appears that it's it's a rub. But that's the pro that's the point. Like the rub is where we learn. And, and I think our 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 ability, our mental cognitions, our nervous systems have been so dumbed down that we can't handle something that feels uncomfortable. We don't have enough resistance built up in our in ourselves to handle an uncomfortable conversation. And and so that's to me another exercise of Kanye is can I handle this uncomfortable stuff that he's saying that I I don't agree with at all, but look a little bit deeper to try to understand 
and, and some sense of what's really going on here. How is Kanye hurt? How what's going on behind that? Um, and and not let myself just react to and say, you know, this is all just bullshit, right? And and that's the nuance. That's what we need to have. And we need more of these conversations. This is, you know, these are the conversations that need to be had with ourselves and with our the people that we we live life with, our communities. You know, these are loaded conversations that carry massive amounts of stigma. You know, like when you start talking about these things, like people get traumatized at the mere mention, you know, of like, you know, the Jewish media or the mm -hmm. Jewish banking system, you know, like saying those things have always been, you know, have been met like fiercely by, you know, like Jews themselves. Mm -hmm. you know? I think some of it's the power structure keeping us dumbed down to not have those conversations. To not to, to your point, the structures that, that are that are in place are going to fall, right? I think like you were talking about the suffering and where we're at, and something that's interesting that kind of came to me, Ben, was you know, this structure's gonna fall. We just like come on, history, like we know America's not gonna be the greatest power forever, whether it happens in our lifetime or not. This shit's going to end. It was a good run, but it'll stop at some point. The question is, will we devolve past previous suffering? like degrees of suffering, or are we going to evolve? And is it going to get uncomfortable? Might we not be able to get access to freaking avocados for six months? Probably. But like, can we also understand that the technology and what we, the infrastructure is almost like, it's like the structure is going to fall because the infrastructure behind it is actually forcing it to fall. It's almost more of like a pushing out than a collapsing in. And so is it going to get uncomfortable? Are all people going to die? A hundred percent. That's going to happen. Right. And I don't say that as an insensitive way, but it's just, again, history. There's going to be suffering. But will will there be this balloon that's actually going to push it out and we're going to evolve forward in a really significant way with new structures? And yet maybe not. History will repeat itself. Right. So I don't know. It's a it's a it's a uh, an interesting conundrum. Are we evolving? Are we devolving? I don't know. What do you think on that front? I think we're evolving, but not everybody all at the same time. Uh, yep. It's, you know, I, I, and I think more and more we're seeing that chasm of division rise in, from multiple perspectives. Uh, one's just the socioeconomic. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the people at the top are being more and more at the top every single day. You know, we just witnessed the single greatest transfer of wealth in recorded history. Um, and, and, in that, you know, those people are taking that money and they're trying to live forever, you know, so you have this, you have this divide of, you know, where the upper echelons, where the money, where the motivation behind that, that structure is pushing leaves everybody else out. But at the same time, in doing, in pushing down those paths, everybody else says, well, screw you guys. If you're going to go that way, we're going to go this way. We're going to try it our own way. You know, there's a couple smart people over here who have some good ideas. And so what I think we're going to see is the erosion of nation states. And I've talked a little bit about this before, but, I, you know, the idea of a nation state is pretty archaic in times where we can talk, you know, a, a whole world apart in real time to one another. Where we can actually hash out ideas. Um, now, the infrastructure that's currently in place, to your point, is pushing us to a breaking point because it's not geared for that. That infrastructure was put in place to... Uh, you know, elevate the nation states, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
And so then you have the other side of that. You have this globalist movement, you know, people who realize this is happening and say, oh, we should all, we all live on the same planet. We should all just, you know, fall under one banner. Uh, and then therein again lies the problem. It's, you know, well, who's going to decide that structure? And it's, you know, the, the people that they elect and they're not electing, they're, you know, the people that they say is going to decide the structure are people with all the money. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't, historically or you know even in our lifetimes work out for the common individual well and so i think we'll see different iterations parallel economies we're already seeing it with crypto we're going to see parallel societies develop parallel communities uh and you know burning mans are kind of uh, an effect of this uh you, we're going to see a lot more stuff kind of congeal into not just like oh a random you know or even an annual thing but you know we're going to invest some time and some money and try a new idea, a new experiment, if you will. Because, you know, this experiment is coming to an end. Mm. Yeah, it makes me one. I mean, it makes me curious. Could there be a retraction to the nation state? Like, I mean, it seems to me that with... Yeah, populism, populism will, will rise extraordinarily before before it fractures all of this, because mm. you, uh, you have to figure a lot of the people who make a lot of the money are very, you know, like we were talking about the lobbyists, all this stuff. This is all ingrained. This is all a system for them. It's all it's all part of a thing. So, you know, just like uh, Morpheus's quote in The Matrix, you know, these people are so helplessly inert and so part of the system that they will fight to defend it. Yeah. In some ways, you could say that that was part of World War II was international versus national. They were national socialists. They wanted their entire country to be getting a paycheck from the labor of that country. And isn't it weird how, you know, on the right people, the left often claims the right are nationalists. The right often claims the left is socialist. You know, it, it's it seems as if the power structures have decided you could be a nationalist or you could be a socialist, but you could never ever be a national socialist. Like well, the last time that happened, there was a problem. You see, right? And that, I mean, that's populism in a nutshell. Like every right. country would wants the money that made in that country to stay in that country. That's the argument the world is having. Like that's the the people in countries around the world agree. Hey, this is ours. But it seems as if there's a handful of people who are like no, 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 no. You guys are too dumb. Did you get it? We got to take yours and give it to these. We got to take the money from rich countries and give it to rich people in poor countries. Don't you guys understand that? Like, that seems to be what's happening. And on some level, you know, all the the horrible anti-Semitism that happened in World War II, like if, if, if you took that part out of it, you know, there are some things Germany was trying to do that could have worked. Germany almost won that war against, it took the United States jumping in for them to lose that war. And I think that some of the ideas like what's wrong with national socialism, what's wrong with the people in that country getting the wealth of that country, as long as they're not oppressing other countries, like what's wrong with that? Well, I, I think if you were to, extrapolated out onto a big level is that what's wrong with it is that we're only there's only one rock there's Mm. only so much room for you know things to be spread around there's only so much resources these things are finite even though they are massive in comparison to you know human endeavor 
but they are finite. And so eventually you will end up with, well, why do they get to do that when we can't do this? Um, or why do they get the wealth? You know, we, we work just as hard. And so it becomes an us and them. It becomes a divide and conquer. And whenever that, whenever that rhetoric starts happening, there's always somebody making a whole shit ton of cash. And it's not the people fighting each other. You know, yeah. there's an interesting, we're talking about World War II, but prior to World War II, you know, Germany was one of the leading founders of Israel. They founded the city of Haifa. There's pictures of the Germ of the Nazi flag in Israel because they helped build the, the first few towns down there, right? Um, you know, so then you go, well, what the hell happened? <laughs> Uh, and and then you know if you pull on the strings a little bit the answer is you know to jason's point earlier you follow the money and when you follow the money that's where you end up into the rub against the national socialist and the the infrastructure the global infrastructure the emerging you know money monetary system of the world at the time and yeah. germany in the second that germany told them to go fly a kite that's when world war ii really kicked off yeah, it makes you wonder what would happen if the U.S. stopped giving billions of dollars to Ukraine. <laughs> well, it would be over really freaking fast. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's just that's just a, a matter of, you know, technology and people. I mean, if nothing else, people. They got like six, seven times the population in Russia. You know, you know, they do. In a weird way, like... You know, if you when you look at um, NATO and the contracts that are signed there with America and all the countries having to come together, in a weird way, that's kind of what Kanye is talking about with contract law. Like it's, a, it's just a microcosm of it. You know, it's right. like as hey, above, so below. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not escaping this that, that, that <laughs> anytime soon. You know, that's just kind of how it works. But it's then identifying the structures in that as above, so below, and not repeating the same mistakes. And I, so this is more to the articulation of what Kanye could talk about, right? Yeah, he could um, use because, this platform for change, right? Because then now you're now you're getting people to think, oh, well, okay, I really haven't thought about the world in that perspective. And once you could do that, you know, now you have the chance—not not that you will—but you have the chance to avoid all of the bloodshed in in the evolution of these things. If you just go off and start spouting like he does, eventually people end up getting shot or stabbed or in, and then it gets worse from there on um, these, you know, it turns into that dumpster fire turns into a conflagration real quick. Yeah. Gentlemen, I'm, I'm that. What was that Paul? Nothing. Go ahead. I was just saying, I think that this conversation has exceeded my, my hopes. I, I really felt like I got to learn a lot and I really am thankful for every one of your guys opinions and your insights and your ability to articulate how you feel about things. So thank you to all of that. And as we're getting ready to land this plane, I just wanted to give everybody a few minutes to maybe sum up what they thought about the conversation or if there's anything they have to add. And I thought I'd start with you first, Benjamin. Um, Oh boy. Sum up something to add. Oh geez. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll skip that because I think I've talked enough during this conversation. Um, uh, yeah, find me uh, on the No Absolutes podcast. I'm sure I'll have uh, all these guys here as, as guests in the next week or so. Nice. Jason, you had a unique take on, and I really admired your your question of why. Like, why is Kanye acting that way? Like, What does this mean? And I was wondering maybe in summation if you could maybe 
pull on that thread a little bit more. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I think the question for me, will that will be the thing that continues to keep me engaged into watching this performance uh, continue to unfold is why, what's going on? You know, not not jumping into ever try to defend, not trying to take one side or another, um, and continue to just be a student of some levels of what's going on and, and how is this stuff kind of playing out. And I feel like whenever we're on the edge of structures breaking down, artists are sometimes the people that are out there saying things, doing things that we don't always understand or we don't like. And that's the stuff that gets me excited because it's worth paying attention to what are what's what's happening in on the fringes of culture and society and when you see these bigger people like a kanye start to shift to areas that's unacceptable based off of what the narrative is saying and it's important to pay attention to and so i think it's something that you know we gotta hold it in the place that it is can he do better absolutely i feel like everybody's made a lot of great points and by no means do I ever try to defend Kanye? It's more of just being uh, almost a student <laughs> of like, okay, what's going on? And not to say like, I'm going to um, emulate, but I want to learn. I want to pay attention to. And, and I think sometimes that's what great artists are, are whether we, we want to say they're great or not, they will make an impact. And so that's what I love paying attention to is the impact. Yeah, it's well said. Paul, I always value your opinion. Like I, I love the approach and i love the 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 scalpel the the intellectual Tenacity. scalpel yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i really admire it and i feel like i learn a lot from not only our conversations but the group dynamics that we all put together so paul what would you want to what do you want to add to the conversation or is there anything you want to sum up with uh well thanks george um no i mean i think i think what I would get out of this conversation is, is like, there's a guy who said a lot of crazy things, you know, but how do we, you know, back to, to what Jason was saying, you know, how can we take the stigma out of these conversations so that they, you know, so that we could actually have a productive conversation that are revolve around some of these, you know, more, more sensitive topics. And, you know, and then I think, you know, I think that's when, when you get real growth or you can really start to affect change, you know, in a, in a positive way, more than just telling people, you know, Hey man, you know, go the fuck away. You know, you, you, you're an ass and, and then nothing productive comes from it. So, I mean, for me, that's kind of, you know, what I got out of this is how can, you know, how can, um, you know, I can four or five people who enjoy psychedelics, um, you know, <laughs> That's our commonality, by the way. Um, um, you know, have you know, have conversations that that you know aren't so loaded. You know, where we can actually, you know, without fear, you know, um, ha you know, talk about things that are sensitive. And I think we and I think we began to, you know, at least kind of build some framework around how that could be possible. So I'm excited. Yeah, it was a good conversation. I um, what do you guys do? You think Kanye would benefit from a large dose of psychedelics? Oh, I would love to take him <laughs> on a ride. That would be fun. No. I I don't know. I he might not. I I think 
at some level, if, you know, he was prepared in the set and setting and the right, you know, all of that stuff was, was correct, then sure. Uh, I just don't think you're going to get the proper preparation, the proper, you know, the nuance, the intention, the set and setting. But I could be wrong. I don't know the guy personally. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I can speak from experience, man. It's like, you know, this is kind of putting myself out there. You know, I was a young man once that wasn't very, you know, man, that's just a lot of things that were wrong back then. But, um, you know, I, uh, I began using psychedelics, you know, like the age of seven, eight, ish and um, began reading a lot of stuff that I, that I suspect that Kanye you know, has either been reading himself or people are speaking about these things. And I was like, you know, began to go down, you know, some of the same paths that Kanye is currently on when it comes to like conspiracy about groups of people and not just Jewish people, but all kinds of people, you know, self-victimization, you know, a lot of these things. And I, and I think that it's, you know, a lot of it was like, you know, I was able to unlock you know, pieces of my brain. Um, but what I was feeding it was really not useful. I mean, looking back, I, there's a lot of you, and it's kind of the reason why I pushed back so hard on some of this stuff. And I, I make reference to like Kanye, you know, like, hey, where the fuck have you been? You know, these are things that, you know, that people like in the, in the early, in the late 80s and the early 90s, this was also, you know, kind of hot topics of discussion here, you know. Um, you know, some of the things that he's saying, and it was more, you know, like out in the open, um, you know, because it was the 80s, right? And, and less people were, you know, um, really conscious about the things that they said. And so um, I think for him, you know, I, I think it would just maybe compound the issues for him. You know, I think you can, you can use psychedelics in a number of ways, you know, to either like open your mind or narrow your focus. Hmm. Yeah, or you can move to South America and start like your own little country. Drink Kool-Aid. <laughs> George, what if, what if all this is a result of a psychedelic trip, right? Like what if we are, to Paul's point, seeing unintegrated or unhealthy use? Because from, from what I've seen and understand, he hasn't said anything publicly, but there was when he was spending some time in Wyoming and before he came out with the album, he came out with um, Ye and then uh, after Ye was um, the Kid Seed Ghost, which was his collaboration with Kid Cudi. Those are pretty conceptual albums, and there's a lot of conversation whether or not he was using DMT or some other type of stuff to kind of further the work that he was doing. And at that season of Yee, he was in you know Wyoming, and he had this grandeur of creating all of the clothing on his land. And you know the dude has some serious serious ideas of grandeur. So that's you know we can't. But yeah, I think on some levels, you know, what if some of this is the the downfall or the you know the the unhealthy side of too much of that stuff. Well, I look at it when you when you say it like that, you know, I I happen to think that bad trips, you can learn a lot from bad trips, you know, and that's that's why that's where the idea there's no such thing as a bad trip comes from. Even though there are bad trips, you can learn a lot from a bad trip. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Paul was just speaking earlier saying when he was younger, he went down all these crazy roads. And I think you have to go down. I think you, if I can steal a line from Ozzy Osbourne, I think you have to get on the crazy train. You have to figure <laughs> some, like you have to go down the wrong road to realize that's the wrong road. Mm. You know, you have to go into some, some, some wrong places to figure out, oh shit, I don't belong here. Or, 
you know, you have to go down, you have to take some weird thoughts. Like you have to, you have to ride that thought out. You know, I remember, um, I remember going to a party one time where everybody was doing a lot of blow and this guy did a lot of blow and I didn't know him, but he was freaking out. And he's like, dude, I got to call the cops, man. I got to call the doctor. He's like, I can't do this. I'm just I'm losing my mind. And the only other part is like, you have to write it out, bro. We ain't calling the cops, man. You have to write it out. And the guy wrote it out, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, don't call the, don't go hitting the panic button, you know. But how do you do that when you're a billionaire? Like, if you if you're a billionaire, you have the ability to hit the panic button. You have the ability to go on all the platforms and say all the crazy things that you would normally say to a group of friends that would smack you. Like, dude, shut up, man. You know what you're talking about. Like, if I said something dumb, you guys would all come down on me. You know, or if, if, if I, when I was younger, I was lucky enough to have people in my life that would grab me and be like, dude, you are an arrogant dummy right now. You don't even know what you're talking about. You get it? Just shut your mouth. Like you don't, you, you have no concept of what you're talking about. And you look dumb. Like I, people tell me that. And like, I think Kanye doesn't have anybody around him to tell him that, you know, I think that when you're a billionaire, you're surrounded by people that tell you how great you are and you start believing that. You know, like that's and that gets us back to the idea of being a product. Like, yeah, oh, that's great, Kanye. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Oh, did you get my check, by the way? Oh, can I get a raise? You know, like you're you are surrounded by people that don't care about you as a person or what you say. They just agree with you because they want some of that status. They want some of that Kanye dandruff that can flake off on them. Mm. But and that all know, that all I'll just say that happened the death of his mother was a significant point of when anyone that was like just like i think at that point you see this shift where it was like he was on his own and everybody around him everything about his life became performance kim the kids all that kind of stuff became this thing of like trying to find that love because it wasn't his mom and when she passed it shifted everything for him so i think on some levels we can look at that pain and i think what you're calling out is spot on there is no, and to the, what you were saying, Paul, earlier in some ways, you know, he is hurting. This is a, pain, a guy that is experiencing a lot of hurt. And, you know, the inarticulation is such a, an example of that because I don't think he has, you know, the loss of his mom really did, did a number. And think about that. Like if he, like Paul made reference to a scared man. It sounds like he was a scared kid. You know what? Like if, if you were just to break it down even further, like, you know, he seems a lot to me. I think some similarities between him and Kim Kardashian is there was no dad in the household. Like, here's a guy with no dad. His mom told him everything. Hey, you're the best, son. You're the greatest, man. You're going to be the greatest in the world. Like, um, the feminine, Jay, you know this. The feminine is a beautiful thing. And it's there to raise you up and, and, and hold you and care for you. But if you don't have some dad balls that are over there pushing you around, guess what? You're going to be more feminine. And look at Kim Kardashian. Like, where's her dad? Where's all those girls' dad? Like, what? The, how about the Kardashian had to break her face like 15 times before she decided she was pretty? Can you imagine? Like, that makes me so sad to think that this girl's gonna bust her face like 10 times. I don't know how many reconstruction surgeries had, but I know it was a lot. Like, how many times are you gonna let someone break your face because you don't think you're pretty? Where's the That's where's the lot. feminine there? Where's mm -hmm. the mom there? Like, and but like. They're a mirror image of each other. Kim Kardashian is the uh, on the opposite side of that coin is Kanye West. Mm -hmm. Like that's the dude. They're a perfect couple. Like that's the exact imagery of of what they are. Mm -hmm. You know. But unfortunately, look at their kids. No dad in the household. You got some crazy guy Pete calling Kanye saying, "I'm doing this to your wife." Like kids are gonna hear. Like their kids are gonna hear that man. Oh, like totally. you know, and their mm -hmm. kids are gonna be just a like 
that's what's sad to me. Like that's the worst thing about this. And in some ways, it just it invalidates everything Kanye is trying to say about people taking advantage of him and him wanting these things. Like, dude, be a be a father, man. Quit all this. Go quit all that, man. Like, stop trying to be the greatest designer and start trying to be there for your kids, man. Stop worrying about Kim and stop worrying about her boyfriend and stop worrying about what you can do to be a dad. You know, I, maybe that's not fair for me to say, but like, that's how I see it, man. Well, I think it's, it's interesting. And I know, I know we're trying to land the plane, so I don't, I don't want to go too far down this route. But, but it's really interesting because I pulled up Kanye's human design, which I I brought up a couple of times, like how, you know, we're wired and whatnot. And, And Kanye is a projector. So there's four types that are out there. Um, and projectors are, they sit in this really unique place in the world. I have two projectors in my house. My, my son and my daughter are projectors as well. So I've, I've spent a lot of time looking and trying to understand what this is. And what's interesting about projectors is that their core strategy is waiting for recognition and then an invitation. So they want a recognition and then an invitation. And when they feel like they don't have that, they then begin to live out of bitterness and just this over articulation. So my daughter's in kindergarten. One of the first things that her teacher said in her parent teacher conferences was she talks a little much and, and she just does. She loves to talk and she just is always, but this is part of her design. This is part of how, because if you don't invite her in, she will over talk to try to be recognized. And frankly, right now, I wish someone would freaking slap Kanye beside the head and be like, look, dude, you're not living in your strategy. Because on some levels, Kanye's entire struggle in life has been waiting for recognition because he found magic as a producer. He came in and did something that no one had ever seen by the beats that he could produce. And then from that moment, he has been fighting for recognition in the rap industry and the fashion industry. And as a father, like all he's doing is fighting for recognition. And he needs to see that, honestly, at the end of the day, he needs to be be recognized. He has to wait for that and be invited, invited in. Then if he'd figure that out, he could be a great voice for change. But he's not playing that game. He doesn't understand that about himself right now. And so he's just fucking it all up. So that's, yeah. that's the, my human design breakdown of like what I see going on in, in Kanye. And projectors some- are going to be leading the world. Like that's the shift. Like right now, manifestors and generators, they've been in control of this last like 400 years. And projectors are getting ready to come on the scene. And they're going to be the ones to start running shit. And so it's something people need to pay attention to. It's an interesting piece of what you see on that side. So anyways, I don't go too far down the human design rabbit hole because I know it's a little weird, but uh, it's interesting to pay attention to. Yeah, I think it's a great analysis. And um, yeah, that's what I got for today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm super, like, again, I'm super thankful to everybody. I, I really value your opinion. And I, I feel like this might have been one of our best podcasts so far. So thank you to everybody. To everybody watching, thanks for the comments. Um, that's what we got for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for participating, and we will see you next Sunday on the Psychedelic Roundtable. Everybody hang on for a minute, because I want to talk to you for a moment after I land this plane.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true, but you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.